Leftover Season 2 is over, but we're just getting started talking about the Leftover Season 3. It's officially happening. We did it, everybody. Hello, guys. I'm Josh Wiggler. Welcome back to Poster Recaps, our third round of Leftovers podcasting this week. Uh, hopefully this is actually live as opposed to Sunday night. Uh, we are live here now talking about we live here now and talking about the future of the Leftovers now that it has officially been greenlit for Season 3. I'm here with Antonio Mazzaro, my main man. Antonio, how are you doing? What's up, Josh? I'm very happy we're getting a season three of The Leftovers, and I'm even more happy that we have Rob and AJ here to talk to us today, not to spoil your next introductions. Yeah, well, you absolutely just did, so let's just get, <laughs> let's just get into it. But we've got AJ Mass here, who has co-anchored episodes of The Leftovers in the past. AJ, how's it going? It is going great, Josh. Pleased to be back. Uh, yeah, well, welcome back to the show. It's psyched to have you on here. I didn't depart. Don't worry. I'm still here. I There's thought maybe there. you were on God's tongue, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> Just can't understand what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to figure out what this guy is saying. Rob Sesternino, who is obviously the main man here in RHAP and Post Show Recaps, who is a sudden arrival to The Leftovers. Rob, welcome to our dojo or our hotel, I suppose. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I feel like that AJ and I are basically like the John and Erica of season two that we have just now joined the, uh, joined the cast here for this conversation. Does that mean AJ is just going to secretly run out on you or desire to run out on you? Yes, yes. He was going to leave the whole time, and uh, I'm going to shoot one of you two by the end of this. Josh, yeah, I'm the Josh. Erica because you couldn't hear what I was saying. Or wait, no, shouldn't I be the one with the hearing problem? Because you Never buried mind. a bird yeah. right before we started this. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I hope the bird survives. I don't know if we've got those kinds of magic powers. Uh, but yeah, this is exciting, really fun. This is our third Leftovers podcast that we're doing here on Post Show Recaps this week. If you haven't checked out everything that we've been doing already, go to postshowrecaps.com slash leftovers. iTunes, you can subscribe to all of our leftover stuff there. We had a, a reaction show on Sunday night after the finale. Antonio and I recorded an epic two-hour feedback show with your feedback fueling our conversation. And I don't think that we expected to do another Leftovers podcast quite so soon. We definitely wanted to get AJ and Rob's take on the season, and it kind of just all fell together that the season three renewal news came like five hours after Antonio and I hung up on on each other. Uh, so so that happened that happened pretty fast. That escalated quickly, Antonio. Yeah, it really did. And I we were immediately kind of old news by the time that went up, which is fine with me because happy to get the uh, news about the renewal of the leftovers so soon. Damon Lindelof had promised we would probably hear something by the end of the year, but we heard it by the end of the week, which is even better. Yeah. Um, so AJ, you've been on you've been on the podcast this season uh, already. We haven't heard from you in a few episodes. Can you just give your your take on on how you thought that the season wrapped up? Um, thoughts on the fact that season three is coming up? What's just your overall leftovers mood right now? It's very very positive. I mean, I thought that there wasn't a bad episode in season two. I thought every episode just had such compelling stuff, and by the time. Uh, Kevin arrives back at his second stay at the uh, Assassin Hotel. I mean, I was just over the moon. Just, you know, I just blurted out, that's freaking brilliant. Like, I, I rarely shout at my TV, but I was just like over the moon at how, how well that episode played. Just the, uh, the, the music for this, this episode, uh, you know, just, it just is such a character, uh, with Max Richter's uh, score and, and the, uh, instrumental version of the Pixie song. It, it just was just, a great momentum to the finale, and I just I just loved it every second of it. 
Um, Rob, you're new to The Leftovers. First off, how did that experience go for you binging the entire series basically in the course of what, like a week and a half? Yeah, I, it was great. I really uh, enjoyed it. And I feel like that is probably a show. And there's so many shows that are probably better on, on the binge. I think that there's probably few shows that you could say are better on the week to week than on the binge. And, you know, even if you had an episode, I know that Josh is uh, not a fan of like the uh, the Holy Wayne stuff Stop. from season Stop one. It. But it, then it's over. And then you move on to the next episode and it wasn't like you had to sit and dwell on a week of like where is this show going what is the direction of that so i think that you could sort of like get through any of the rough patches and then just to have like basically i was watching about like an episode and a half a day for about a period of a week and a half as i was like up in the middle of the night with a newborn and it was uh it was very fun i really it was a very immersive experience uh with, with baby lily uh in terms of like uh what what the characters were going through uh with having to watch her so I really did uh, love it on and, and you know, I didn't I, I didn't find it to be, uh, you know, super, uh, super depressing or anything like that. It was it was, it was just really, really a, a great show. Maybe not since Breaking Bad have I binge watched a show that I enjoyed this much. That's awesome. And one of the things that you said to me when you were talking about watching the show was um, when Antonio and I, we recorded our leftovers for newbies podcast and we talked about, you know, give it some time. It takes a little while for the for the show to heat up. If you if you get to episode six and you're not loving this show, maybe it's just not for you. But you had said to me that even early on, those episodes weren't much of a slog for you. Yeah, I think that once you get past episode three in the first season, I think then that's sort of like all systems go. Yeah, um, because you you had said that you know you know that these characters are building towards something big, so you can uh, you can start getting invested in them in them now, even if the show doesn't feel. You know, entirely fully formed. Right. right. For me, uh, somebody who has like uh, friends that I trust their opinion of greatly saying like, no, this show is really, really good. It's it wasn't really a leap of faith for me. It was sort of like, you know, er- other people have or have already walked across the invisible bridge before. So I kind of knew that it was there and I didn't have to be that first person to take that leap of faith into uh, the abyss. So I sort of knew there was safety on the other side and it was a good, you know, it's an easy rewatch, especially to binge watch a show like this where you're only talking about two seasons of 10 episodes. Like there are so many shows that it's like, uh, hey, binge watch the West Wing. You know, it's like, uh, sorry, Antonio, there's too many episodes there. Yeah, but I understand. This is easy. This is no, you know, 20 episodes is a nice. Uh, it was only 19 for me, ultimately. Yeah. And I'm, we're happy to have provided you the leap of science, Rob. And it's much easier there to know where the bridge is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about season three. Let's start opening up the door on that. This was a really awesome thing that happened yesterday. I was out to lunch. I was not in a great mood for a variety of reasons. And I just opened up my phone and was starting to get slammed with Twitter notifications being like, hey, your podcast has been renewed. Uh, so it was, it was a very exciting way to get the news that The Leftovers was coming back. Um, I had kind of been emotionally preparing myself for the fact that it was probably not coming back. It wasn't a show that was widely viewed. It didn't seem like it had the numbers to back it up. But if, you know, if you're judging based solely on critical acclaim, it couldn't get better than, than what we got. Um, so, Antonio, what, were, what was your reaction when you found out that season three was happening? Yeah, basically the same thing. I, HBO has kind of uh, it's been sort of hit and miss with really good shows and renewal uh, in the last couple of years. They they had the show Luck, which was getting really good and had a great cast, but they had some issues with uh, some of the killing horses. animals. Yeah. yeah. So this is not that, you know, on other shows, apparently killing horses is fine. But on HBO's Luck, it was no no bueno. So they had renewed that show and then they canceled it uh, after the renewal. And so. 
then I was a big fan of Treme as well. And in the case of Treme, the ratings were super low. They did get a full three uh, seasons of 10 episodes. But after the third season, and this is a David Simon show, creator of The Wire, HBO wanted to stay in the David Simon business. They've since made a miniseries with him, but they only gave him a small budget for Treme season four to kind of wrap everything up. And that was only five episodes. So really, I thought just about anything could be on the table here. We could see, and there's other examples, obviously, that, I, that I'm not going to mention about times when HBO has maybe s- slowly killed a show or you know, soft renewed and then canceled a show or changed their mind. Uh, in this case, I was happy to get a definitive answer. I'm hoping it's a full season order. I don't know if anyone's seen confirmation on that yet, but I hope we get a full 10 episodes of The Leftover Season 3. And there, I do think that there are shows that are better served with a shorter lifespan. A lot of people have said that to me and echoed those sentiments on Twitter uh, over the, the course of, you know, the last few days. And I think this is a show that the longer it goes on, there's there's a greater possibility uh, that it loses a lot of the punch that it's got. So I'm happy to have one more season. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. It's just going to be the final season. But I think when we take a long look at uh, three seasons of The Leftovers, it will have been a really good trilogy of seasons. And I think that as long as we get 10 episodes, we're going to be there. Um, AJ, what's your take on the fact that this is going to be the final season of The Leftovers? You know, yay, renewal, but also, boo, it's going to be the final season? Or are you excited that it's going to be something that they can end it out on their own terms? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think as we've uh, learned that if you have an open-ended thing and you've got this overarching storyline, sometimes you stay in that uh, vamping mode for a season or two because you're not exactly sure how long you have to tell your story. So having a definitive endpoint, as we learned with Lost and you know other shows, you know, knowing, knowing where you're aiming towards, I think can only help direct the show uh, and, and make sure it doesn't waste any time with storylines that, you know, maybe, you know, in a longer, you know, five seasons could live out there for a while. Now we know we've got whatever the number of episodes is, it's, that's all we've got. So we got to make sure that it's, you know, beginning, middle end. Let's, let's not miss any beats there. Plus I, you know, I, I think three seasons is perfect for this show. Um, I, I think, you know, and I'll get into it if we start speculating where I think the season will go. But, you know, I, I think this show in particular has has a really good three season length to it. You know, first season with, with the Garveys and then we introduced the Murphys in season two, which kind of paralleled season one. And I, I think having one more season to continue those parallels uh, while wrapping up the Garvey's story, I think is, is going to be very essential. Yeah. Um, so we'll start speculating. Let's do that. That's what that's what we're here for. So speculate away. What do you think that season three of The Leftovers is going to look like, AJ? What what are your expectations given where we left off in season two? Jardin's on fire. The Garveys are, if not at their best, they're at least all together. Um, what, what do we think uh, this show is going to look like when we come back for one last act? Well, like I said, to continue that parallel thing, I mean, you know, in season one, you know, uh, a family member of the Garveys joined the Guilty Remnant, uh, whereas in season two, a family member of the Murphys joined the Guilty Remnant. So there's that direct parallel. In season two, uh, you know, one of the Garveys has uh, a haunting, someone stuck to them. Why not have a haunting and someone stuck to Mr. John Murphy? Uh, Patty killed herself and stuck herself to Kevin. Virgil killed himself. Why isn't Virgil going to be stuck to John in season three? Oh, man. Ghost Virgil? Are we on board for Ghost Virgil? Can that be the first idea that we're approving here for season three? 
Rob, how do you feel about that? Are we sending that one to, to the aisle, or what are we doing with that one? <laughs> I don't Is know it if going, it's to, going Samoa? to Samoa. I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> but for me, in terms of the renewal, like I kind of had like a mixed reactions to it. And while the show was so good, and obviously I want more, I'm sort of of the mind of like, but could they do it again? Like, sure, maybe they could, but they could also just screw it up. And I'm kind of like, I wonder if this is really like, you know, hitting on 19 or 20 with this show because it was so good. I felt like it came to uh, such a nice place uh, to end the show, at least especially the journey of Kevin Garvey. Like, I don't know how you now make, uh, you know, you're going to pull this family apart again. I almost am hoping that season three is uh, really starting to get away from the Garveys. As much as I love those characters, like, I feel like it's just going to start to feel a little bit like, you know, sort of these other serialized dramas where we're just sort of like revisiting the same things over and over again. Like, I felt like Mad Men really started to get into that towards the end of sort of like, okay, we have these problems, we fix them, and then the same problems just keep happening again for the Garveys to all start to uh, split apart again. So, I am excited about the prospects of season three because I love the show so much, but I kind of am concerned that to do 10 more episodes, I, I don't know. I don't know how we could possibly stay at this sustained level for so long. And, and if we do, then we have to start talking about it as one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the thing is coming back for, for season three does bring with it a ton of pressure in that writer's room because they did just cook up one of the great seasons of 2015, at least. Um, and yeah, where, where do you go from there? And I was, I was on uh, the Jay and Jack podcast last night and we were talking about uh, you know, the pressure of the leftover season three and Jack was like, oh, if I'm Damon Lindelof, I'm freaking out and I'm almost hoping for cancellation because I, I almost, I'm almost hoping to not have to, have to face that one down. Antonio, do you share any of those concerns that Rob is expressing, or I see you shaking your head a little? I, I share the concerns a little bit that Rob is expressing. I don't share them so uh, boldly expressed by whether that was Jay or Jack. But what I'll say is that Damon Lindelof did a lot of vamping uh, or just kind of singing for his supper, as he was calling it, uh, lobbying for the life of the show or whatever he expressed to Alan Sepinwall after the season. And he seemed very confident that they have a little bit of story left to tell. And this end of the show by the third season is being labeled as his choice. So that tells me he has a fairly, and the writers have a fairly confident idea about what they want to do with season three. But they, I think, maybe share some of those concerns that Rob has about extending the life of the show beyond that. And that's why if it's by their choice, they're not going to do this thing where maybe it's our final season, maybe it's not. Mike Schur is the showrunner and co-creator of Parks and Recreation. That was one of my favorite shows that at least five times throughout the length of its run had to create a season finale that had to double as a series finale. And that is high wire work. It's very difficult stuff to do. And I know that on a show like The Leftovers, it's probably even more difficult than it would be on a sitcom like Parks and Rec. So I'm sure Damon Lindelof is not interested in trying to perform that jujitsu on a season by season basis. And I think knowing that we've got one more season, I'm very confident that they can do a 10-episode season that doesn't detract from what they've done uh, and that doesn't play out any of their jokes or not jokes, but any of their motifs or things that they've established. I mean, we might get a reference to International Assassin again, for example. Um, maybe we'll get a full episode, but I don't really think that we're going to get it to the point where we wear it out as a gimmick uh, or it takes away from the previous episodes. I think Damon Lindelof is very cognizant of that fact. Um, and is very motivated 
uh, to continue telling the stories they're already talking about telling. So I'm confident the show can do one more. Beyond that, I think we would start to run into uh, possibilities of, of, of greater problems. Right. Um, AJ, how about you? Any reservations whatsoever about there being a season three, or do you feel pretty confident in the ability to the, of the show to repeat what it just did, or at least come close to it? Well, I mean, as someone who actually went into the theaters and watched episode one of Star Wars when it came out, I mean, certainly I know <laughs> that, you know, expectations are a horrible, horrible thing to have to live up to. So, yeah, oh my certainly God. we're one week fear. away to the day from, uh, yeah. from <laughs> where's little Gar- children reliving that exact experience. Yeah, Gar Gar Binks. Oh God! No. <laughs> yeah, you know, if the, yeah, if the season starts oh, off hard, and then hard. there's some sort of trade regulations. Color pacifier. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> trade regulations in uh, in Miracle, and uh, you know, suddenly the dog comes back. Oh, I talk now, Misa talk. <laughs> You're so bad. Eleven. <laughs> Misa thinking yeah, I, I of joining the All right, I want the leftovers to be canceled now. You guys. Have been <laughs> <missing me. laughs> Thanks. Good job, guys. We're done. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, they, there's a story. It's, it's on his own terms to make it one season. And I, uh, I, I think there's plenty of uh, material left with the Murphys, uh, especially. It doesn't have to be so Garby-centric. Uh, I, you know, the questions are out there. It's, it, will will Kevin's father come back from Australia and, and, and will we see him again? I think that's important to finish uh, a little more of the relationship between between the Murphys and, and find out uh, where their family goes and, and wrap that storyline up. I think those are certainly, and of course, uh, you know, something that we have to deal with is is, is the pregnancy. Uh, you know, Mary's pregnancy is going to be taking shape. Maybe Meg is pregnant uh, after her, uh, you know, uh, relationship <clears throat> with Tommy. Uh, so, you know, there's two babies there. Is Maybe there Tommy some sort of pregnant. Christ, antichrist thing going <laughs> yeah. on in season three? Uh, I think that's possible where there could be a debate as to maybe one of these is the chosen child or something. And perhaps the, the evil one ends up being uh, the one that Mary gives birth to. Yeah, you know, there, something on that regard could happen in season three. And I'd be fine with that. Um, do you think that there might be, uh, could we be looking at time jump? Is time jump in, in the cards? I know that we've, we've been getting a lot of feedback from people before we started recording this, and I saw that from a few people. Do you think, um, Rob, do you think that, that The Leftovers is going to skip forward in time at all as we get into season three, or do you think we're going to be picking up pretty close to where we left off this year? I feel like that's pretty likely. I think that we're going to see a bit, of a, a bit of a time jump. I'd be very surprised if we do one of these seasons where we pick it up right from where we're at you know, the Garvey's house there in Miracle, and then we're sort of like going through everything with uh, what's going on with uh, Liv Tyler and, and the Guilty Remnant in Miracle. I think that we probably pick things up where... That that has sort of uh, calmed down to some degree, and there's something else that's sort of brewing. I, I do feel like that there will be, in the way that season two was felt like its own chapter of the story, I feel like season three is going to follow suit and pick up with its own individual chapter of this story. Antonio, what do you think? Yeah, I think that that's probably right. And I think that there are ways to do it, as we saw in season two, where you can revisit some of the things that were established in the previous season without making that the whole focal point of your season. And I will say that I I think there is a lot to be done and said uh, about what happens in Miracle after kind of the, the, you know, Merrick Hill Valley, as we've talked about, like the alternate 1985 world where all the McPoyles, all the people from outer Miracle are now inside the town, uh, setting things on fire, doing beer shots, just like causing problems and wreaking havoc. There's some of that. Is, Is that a full season, though? Probably not. But I mean, Meg and Mapleton and New Rochelle and the Guilty Remnant in upstate New York and all of it, um, that's not uh, that's not a full season either. So I think that 
the show knows that the point of view episodes really bring a lot to the table. And I think they'll continue to use that format. And in using that format, I think they can do an Australia episode, for example. I think they can do an episode in set with John Murphy in Miracle. I think they can do the Jill episode or the Nora Durst episode that maybe they wanted to do more of this season. And I think that there's a way to kind of do that without, uh, without, with, you know, with, with changing the focal point in general. Um, unless all the Murphys move and all the Garveys move and everything goes to a new town. I don't see us leaving Miracle behind, but I see us spending a lot more time away from Miracle or at least as much time away as we did in this season for sure. You know, uh, AJ, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think Antonio has hit the nail on the head. It's the point of views and, and you need the Australia episode of at least tie up uh, you know, Kevin's return. So I, I think definitely that's kind of the course of the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, towards the end, we maybe John gets shot and we find out what happens to him when he is facing death. I, I, it may not be to the hotel, although it may be at the hotel. I think it would be interesting to see, um, you know, give him a chance to answer the question, uh, you know, does everybody go to that hotel or not? And I think they would answer on the side of not, but that wouldn't necessarily mean that the hotel didn't exist. Right. Yeah, well, one of the things that Lindelof has talked about, you know, or he he addressed in his statement on the fact that The Leftovers is coming back for season three is we look forward to, you know, giving you an emotional walloping and remaining completely ambiguous about everything, as is the show's design. Uh, And something that Antonio and I, we were floating uh, back and forth during the feedback show was, well, if, if we go back to the International Assassin Hotel, that airs really firmly on the side of Supernatural. Um, so, Rob, for you, do you think that the show is now that we know that it's going to have a final chapter, it's going to have a final season. And one of the things that's been cool about this show is that it's danced on both sides of the line. Where, like you could read things as a man of science or you could read things as a man of faith. You could see things in in both directions in almost every case, not every case, but most of them. Um, do you think that the show is going to come down on one side of the aisle for for either of those directions? Or do you think that the show is going to be able to tell this story and still be pretty ambitious? Yeah, I love this question, Josh. And I think I probably feel more strongly about this than either of you guys do in listening to you guys talk about the show. I think there is no ambiguity. I think that you can no longer, with the events that transpired in the back half of season two, explain everything away with science. It, it's you can. There's so many things along the way that you could say, okay, well, there could have been a scientific explanation for that. But at the point where there's like 12 different things that you have to say, well, there, you know, there is this scientific way that you could explain this one thing. But then when you start to factor in, but then there's this thing, then there's this thing, then there's this thing. There's no longer any way that you could say that the show can exist in a world purely of science. And I think that there's a number of things that you could point to uh, specifically in the hotel episodes where there are things happening and Virgil being there and stuff and, and, right. st- and stuff like that. But on top of that, Kevin Garvey should have been dead three different times <laughs> that there's a miracle. There's a miracle that happens where he is trying to kill himself. He's under the water with a cinder block. The water goes away. And sure, I guess you could explain away. Oh, well, there's fracking that happens and there's earthquakes in that area. Okay. But, Fine. Okay, fine. And then also that, you know, the, the that he ends up coming back from the dead for no good reason. I mean, he he never gets the shot to the heart that's supposed to revive him. That's supposed to be the antidote to what happens. He's like, oh, well, maybe Virgil didn't give him exactly what it's supposed to. But the thing with the bullet, 
how i mean the, he's shot at point blank range where the bullet goes through him and he doesn't get any sort of treatment for this i mean you would think that he he should have completely bled out he does not it's not explained there's too much here at this point with all this stuff with you know uh with with uh, with matt and 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 mary and the baby and you know there's so so too many things at this point that you can't say that it's ambiguous anymore so do you think if they try to make the show in a way that they do have some of this stuff as ambiguous if they if they have story points that they're trying to be like well you could read it one way or the other do you think that that's a mistake going into season three are you saying that they should just double down and make it supernatural I kind of feel like that it's a cop out to say that it's not at this point. And I kind of understand why Lindelof is afraid to say that because then people will sort of start to, you know, make the. He's been there. Neg- he's been yeah, he's that. been there. But even with, you know, with the stuff with, uh, you know, Eddie, Eddie Winslow and uh, what, what what is it on the, the, the uh, walnuts on the salad and stuff like right. that. You know, how did he know that there's no way there's too many things that you can't just explain away. So I think that um, the ambiguity is a cop out at this point um antonio what's your take i mean that it, that's been something that you and i have loved as we've been going through these podcasts and going through every episode is how many different ways you could read certain events but rob's bringing up some good points that a lot of it is is fairly firmly supernatural or at least or at least or at least you can really read it as heavily supernatural um what's your take do you think that the show is going to go you know full in on in that direction do you think that it's still going to have some ambiguity is there still ambiguity for you right now yeah i like the i mean uh, rob is right but i also do like the quote from damon lindelof and i, I apologize i can't remember what interview it was from postseason where he basically said their take is generally that look 98 percent of the world's population was fine two percent of the world's population mysteriously just disappeared our show is 98 percent on the level two percent of it's mysterious and in the mystery, you're going to implicate or involve your own answer. A lot of people are reading Kevin Garvey as a shaman. Shamans are a real thing. Like they exist in cultures throughout and throughout our world and have existed throughout history. There have been academic journals and papers written about them. I mean, this is a thing that exists in our world that we don't know everything about. And different cultures have different beliefs. And sometimes I think if we took a long look at some of the things that have happened with shamans, we wouldn't believe them. And I do think that there are things in our world, like psychics, for example, that some people can't really explain. A lot of the times, if you're talking about the Long Island medium or people like that, like we've talked about on this podcast, yeah, that some of that stuff is hokum and you can look into it and you can say, oh, well, they knew who was coming. They did their research. They planted people, whatever. Or they say broad enough things. But in the Eddie Winslow case, walnuts is pretty specific. So I do think there are some things in our world. That we just can't explain, even though we're in modern times, even though we know a ton about science, there are some things that that don't make sense to us and probably won't. And maybe in 100 years, uh, new elements will be discovered or new scientific methods will be used. And they'll be like, can you believe back then that people thought X was this when Y is obviously true now? Uh, That's entirely possible. So I don't have a problem with a show that presents us a world where there are some things that don't make a lot of sense and that they are mysterious. And if they double down on that, that's okay. Um, I just, right now, I really like the balance the show has struck um, in that, yeah, I do think that they leave these things open to our own interpretation. And if you want to interpret all of them scientifically, I think there are a few things that uh, Rob has mentioned from this season that present a problem uh, for your scientific interpretation. That's not to say there's not some lens-like example or explanation that someone will eventually develop that can explain Eddie Winslow's walnuts. But until then, uh, I like that it's up to the mystery. And I think, you know, the, the, the mission statement from this season of the show 
let the mystery be um, is fascinating because I don't think that any of us really enjoy doing that on the whole on the show. I think we like reveling in the gray areas. So I do hope the show continues to present us those gray areas. Can I, can I also add just one more thing? And, and I also, you know, I don't I'm not one of these people where I'm, I'm not falling into the lost trap of like, OK, well, then they need to explain away what ha- what happened then or they need to explain this mystery. I'm fine with letting the mystery be, but we can't say that there's a scientific explanation for every single thing. There is just like there are mysterious things happening. And I feel like to say to every single one of these things that comes up, it's like, you know, well, you could explain it this way, explain it this way, explain it this way. I feel like it's almost a disservice to the emotional impact of what's happening on the show. Yeah, I think there are some things that defy the scientific explanations as we have them currently. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, You talk about the lost trap, uh, which is I I feel like that's that's an interesting way of putting it. But we are we're getting into the final season of a Damon Lindelof show that is about a lot of things that cannot be explained by science, some things that can, but, you know, a show that takes place in this high concept world where this inexplicable thing happened um, and many inexplicable miracles seem to be happening right now. And the last time he did this, it did not go so well. A lot of people did fall into maybe this lost trap of expecting answers, even though this show has been designed um, with, with, the, with the idea of let the mystery be, let the questions be what they are. We're not going to answer certain things. AJ, do you think that going into season three, going into the final season, there's going to be some sort of different expectation from viewers that certain questions have to be answered? And maybe for you, are there any specific questions that you feel the show absolutely has to address going into its final year? Uh, yeah, well, I think you need to answer questions of, of plot that you've, you've, you've hit on. Like, you know, I'm willing to grant them that, you know, they don't have to explain what happened with the departure. I'm fine with that because they established that right off the bat that, you know, they don't know. And sometimes when unexplained things happen, the answer is, I don't know. And, and I'm fine with that. Um, but you can't let things happen that they've made such, like I said, they've made such a big deal about, uh, you know, Virgil hurting John. And I think that has to be addressed in season three because it's been such a big plot point. You know, if the girl, you know, if we didn't know what happened to the girls and they just left that hanging and said, oh, well, we'll never know, that wouldn't have worked for me. So the fact that they wrapped that up in season two, um, I think that's something they had to do in season two in order to earn a season three. So I think there are certain certain plot points, and I'm sure there'll be more that come up uh, in the very early parts of season three that they do need to answer because plot needs to be answered. But in terms of the grand setting of, you know, we joined this show in the middle of things and this had already happened. It wasn't something that was introduced in the course of season one or in the course of season two, the, the departure. That was just something that existed. And I'm willing to grant you your show's premise at the beginning that this happened. And okay, you didn't, you, if you're not going to explain that, I'm cool with that. I don't need that answer. But if you're going to bring up a major plot point, um, and the best that you can do is like, you know, come up with some sort of dumpster ex machina in the, in the last few episodes to explain everything away, then, then, then that's not going to work for me. Yeah. Um, Rob, how about for you? Are there any are there any questions that this show is going to have to answer for you? Do you agree with AJ that it's more on the plot level rather than the higher concept mysteries? Or are there any of the big, big mysteries that you really want to see them try and tackle with the definitive answer? I mean, to me, the Virgil thing, I, I don't really see that as that big of a, of a mystery. I kind of feel like that that was uh, at least explained, explained, I felt like in some of the dialogue of that, uh, you know, it seemed like that there was some sort of like... Uh, you know, inappropriateness between Virgil and uh, I'm not sure if it was ultimately John or uh, or the other son, Michael, uh, in terms of what he did. But I mean, did, did you guys get that that read also? 
Uh, Antonio and I were talking about this on the feedback show. Antonio, what, what did we land at? Uh, I think it's just kind of open right now. Like, you, you know, there's, that is, I think, one of the things that the show was a little vague on. I mean, cor- clearly Kevin says to John, like, I, I, he told me what he did to you. And John says, that's a lie. Uh, and does that mean that he did it to Michael? Does that mean that it was Evie? Does that mean it was someone else? We don't know. The The math of it doesn't make a ton of sense that he would be Erica's father and then that John would be involved unless John and Erica grew up together. And then would you grow up and marry? I mean, there's a lot of questions there that I think we don't have the answers to. So I don't yeah, think it's really clear right that's now. That's not the kind of stuff that's bothering me. What I want to know, what the show needs to explain to me is why did Evie give a... A, an imposter cricket to John in a box. <laughs> Why? It makes no sense. Yeah, the faux cricket. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the great thing about having Evie back on the show is that Evie can, you know, if she decides to speak, if she ever speaks up, you know, maybe she can, she can enlighten. <laughs> but no, well, she's not going to speak. I, she's just going to sing it. I, yeah. I think that you, that if you are coming into, she this, writes or sings. That's that's it. Those yeah. are the two speeds. I think if you're coming into this final season with any expectation that anything will be that anything plot point will be resolved i think that you will be disappointed i think it's about the emotional reckoning for all of these characters trying to come to grips uh with this event and i think that maybe the key character going into this third season is going to be meg because the show starts really with her introduction into the guilty remnant and season two sort of escalates with her becoming sort of the, you know, the big bad of this other, this other group. And I feel like season three could be the culmination of whatever she's going to ultimately do next. And we're sort of connected to her through you know, she has this uh, relationship with Laurie. She certainly has this relationship now with Evie, which uh, the Murphys are connected to it. And I wonder if maybe we're going to be following her wherever she's going next. And maybe the Murphys are sort of in tow because they're trying to get back connected with Evie. And then Tommy also has this relationship with Meg where maybe, you know, that's how he's, you know, the Murphys are sort of connected back into it. But I feel like that Meg is the central figure to follow in season three. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, given the fact that she had been on the bench for so much of season two, but when they finally started utilizing Meg, she was just such a magnetic, explosive presence that... Yes. She was magnetic, yeah, she really was a true magnet. Uh, these electromagnetic properties on this show. Uh, you know, she was so good, and I, I agree. I think that there's so much more to do and unpack with that character. So I, I really hope that uh, that that's someone that we're that we're following. Um, and Antonio, for for you, what needs to be addressed in season three? Like, what are some of the big plot points or mystery points or anything like that that you really feel like the show has to dive into now that we know that we've got one last season of the show? Yeah, I, I'm with Rob on Meg uh, being a central character. Mm-hmm. I We talked about, we had the, the great comment from Colin Stone uh, that there's a lot of question marks about how Meg and Evie kind of set things up. And maybe that will never be addressed, but I'd feel a lot more comfortable about that whole storyline if I kind of knew a little bit more about that Evie too. Um, why, what, what was really the genesis of her desire to track down the guilty remnant or join the offshoot, the Jarden offshoot of the guilty remnant? Uh, those sorts of things, they matter to me because those are the sort of lingering questions I have after this finale. Of course, I have questions about international assassin and is Kevin a shaman and how he keeps coming back. But I'm comfortable letting some of those mysteries be like we've talked about. But some of the actual plotting of the show, I'm a lot more interested in. Uh, And I think the Meg character really comes center stage on that. We also had uh, some interesting feedback. And I I, I apologize. I can't um, I can't remember uh, what post it was on or uh, where will where who who said it. One of our uh, listeners posted this that they really hope the show doesn't detract into a love triangle. 
between Kevin and Nora uh, and Lori, and I really echo that. I think it's yeah. Difficult. That was a that was a comment from Marshall Kistner on our fa- uh, Facebook page. Yeah, and so I agree with Marshall on that. I, that's something I wouldn't want to see. I do want to see a lot more uh, in terms of Kevin and Nora. I I want to know is Kevin going to go and tell Nora everything that's happened to him uh, in the last kind of you know three days of the show, um, or is he going to be vague? Yeah, I, I exactly. We saw what happened when he told her about Patty. So, um, you know, is he going to go even deeper? Is he going to is Kevin going to double down with Nora or like, not? Nora? I'm I'm not only am I not crazy now, but I'm immortal, too. Right. Isn't yeah, this awesome? This is great. We can do lots of weird. I'm things now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm out. I, I don't know. Uh, I so I'm interested to see Kevin and Nora. I really um, I don't know that uh, I don't know that Lori coming into the mix changes things is kevin really over lori i i I, i'm worried about that because i agree with marshall like if they don't handle that correctly that could descend into something i really don't want to see the show do but i do want to see uh the the kevin and nora kind of relationship continue to progress and especially in light of what they've both experienced in the last few days yeah um no i think that's i think that's great I, i i lost did the love triangle thing not very successfully that was one of the biggest maligned points against Lost. so hopefully that's a lesson that lindelof uh took away from it uh aj for you how about some characters that you really want to follow up on uh going into season three who are some of the people that you're really interested in focusing on i'd like to see a little bit more about uh the relationship with jill and uh and the younger Murphy kid. I, I think that was an interesting relationship that didn't get a lot of time. Um, and it, I'd like to see them interact a little bit more, uh, especially since, you know, all the circumstances have changed with their families. They, they can kind of relate to each other. And, and uh, you know, a little bit more of the, of the Jill Laurie relationship. If Laurie is going to have any connection to the season, I think that's, that's the in, um, you know, trying to rebuild her relationship with her daughter. So I, I think Jill as a fulcrum would be a really interesting uh, part of the season. One character I do not want to see this season uh, at all as much as you know, we we all love her, uh, but I don't want to see Patty's doppelganger show up. I don't want to see. Come on! You know, and, and, no, I'm sorry. Maybe maybe Kevin, as a, as a, it's me, Maddie Levin, <laughs> Patty's twin. I, maybe as a throwaway joke gag in one episode, one scene. Maybe 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 maybe. So but good. Yeah, because yeah, because Andes are great. But uh, you know, I think if we end that, I'm fine with it. Uh, you know. But other than that, I, I think Jill is the fulcrum for me. I mean, we're, obviously, we're going to see Meg, but uh, I think a little bit more Mary. She was also, you know, in, in comatose for you know for half the season. So let's let's let the let's see what she can do with it with a little bit of acting and some actual dialogue. Other than right. where's that? Where's Matt? Where's Matt? Um, Rob, a lot of people are obviously so pumped that you watched the leftovers and you haven't gotten to give your take on it yet. Who are some of the who are some of the characters in in the show that you really responded to? See, uh, well. I... You know, the characters, uh, there's, there's so there's so many characters. I, I'm actually, um, you know, I'm kind of good with not exploring the Jill thing. I, and Jill, you know, she's a great she's a great actress, very, very pretty young woman. But, you know, I kind of feel like that she's never really had a storyline that I've inter- been interested in, except when her friend was sleeping over all the time. And uh, it, w- <laughs> it was like a will they or won't they with uh, Mr. Garvey. Uh, that was, I, I was interested in that storyline. But uh, but that being said, I, I kind of feel like that. Uh, just going back to Meg again, I almost feel like uh, could we potentially see like a bit of like a Hannibal or like Silence of the Lambs type thing where Laurie is the person that was in the know 
in the guilty remnant and maybe she's the person where it's like the Murphys look at her. It's like, hey, you were able to get out. Could you be the person to help get Evie out and talk some sense into her? And she has that connection with Meg. And then uh, I wonder if that's sort of like the the way to keep because I feel like Lori has nothing to do at this point if you're not using her in some way to because I mean, obviously, I don't think we're going to get, you know, Kevin and Lori back together. We're so invested. Everybody loves Nora. And so Nora then has nothing to do if she's not going to be with Kevin. So I kind of feel like that if you could use Lori to sort of be the connective tissue to sort of be trying to pry Evie back to the Murphys and then also sort of like uh, be following what Meg is doing. I think that's sort of a good way to sort of keep all of these people in play for a season three. That's awesome. I love the idea of, uh, of Lori having to kind of, you know, bring Evie back. And I, I feel like some we need some really good scenes with with Lori and Meg. I feel like that's really Evie. What we need you to do is to hug my son, Tommy. Yes, that's, yeah. that's all you need to do. <laughs> or Lori has to hit Evie with the car, maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be really good. Um, all right. What, what else should we should we start diving into some of the questions from you guys that we that we've got here? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. Uh, Edwin Johnson had a good one. Might we see a different main character take the journey to the International Assassin Hotel? Uh, what, what's the, let's go around the horn. Antonio, do you think we're going back to the hotel? Well, <laughs> is that in the uh, rap song by In Too Deep, Josh? Uh, no, I think that it's possible that we will um, see the hotel again. We talked a lot on our feedback show about how Lindelof in his New York Times Q&A sort of suggested that the woman who's speaking Spanish in Kevin's first international assassin experience is sort of key to what their perception of the international assassin world is. And we talked about how that woman probably is unrelated to Kevin uh, and maybe is on her own sort of journey. And so that this is a place where multiple people uh, can go or end up. So I think that at least it seems on the surface, like the breadcrumb trail is the show has established that this is a world that isn't just Kevin's, that this is a world where other people can enter. Um, And so I think that it's possible we see another character end up there. Uh, I don't know uh, if that will be through choice, like AJ suggested, which I think would be really interesting with Virgil being stuck to John. Uh, but I think that it, I, I don't think we, we are. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem if we ended up there again. I think that it it's potentially problematic if the show uses it as a crutch. Um, this isn't Cheers where they're feuding with, you know, Gary's bar every year and we're going to have international assassin every season. But um, if we have some hints of that uh, or some version of that, I think that would be great. And I think John would be a perfect candidate to do it. Yeah. Uh, AJ, what's your take? Do you think we're going back to the hotel? I, we, we kind of poo-pooed Ghost Virgil, but I love Ghost Virgil. I think that's a great idea. Well, like I said, I, I think to me, uh, even, if it's, even if there is no Ghost Virgil, I think if someone is going to go to the hotel, it'll be John with Kevin going as his guide um, because we know that Kevin can go there many, many times and he still has two or more outfits to wear. So Yeah, that's right. Um, Rob, what did you think of International Assassin? Just the the episode and the concept. I loved it. I hope that we flash back to Patty on Jeopardy. I really, I really love that. (laughs) I, I, you know, one of my takeaways from that episode that I I didn't hear anybody talk about or read about when, you know, when Patty talks about how when she was on Jeopardy and the person who was the returning champion didn't speak to her and that was so powerful. Was that the whole, the genesis of the no speaking from the guilty remnant of was just this random guy just happened to be in the green room not talking to patty and she built a whole philosophy around this yeah someone tracked that guy down uh because he started something maybe maybe and is that why she writes the things down it's just like final jeopardy of uh, i'm surprised that they're not all like answering like what is who are you 
Yeah, right. or or is it the meta idea that this show presents you answers in the form of questions? Oh, right. I like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, that that being said, in terms of uh, um, will we go back to the hotel? I say that I would say if Kevin goes back to the hotel and ultimately dies in season three, I am very okay with that. But if any other character goes to the hotel, the International Assassin Hotel, it is uh, j- Jump the Shark. And I feel like that uh, it is uh, the show can could could not with a straight face say that there's any sort of ambiguity on it. I already think that they have a problem with that. But then that would be, you know, such a uh, smoking gun with that. And also, I think that the parallels to Lost and season six and all of the, you know, purgatory things that people don't like about that. I think for Damon Lindelhoff, I think it would be. I, I think he would be leaning, leading in with his chin and uh, waiting for people to smack him down to do that, to put any other character going to the international hotel. Yeah. So you would advise against that, that you would take that out of the think tank. I would say if you want to go back and kill off Kevin in the process where he can't leave this time, then that's fine. But I think any other character there, I think, would be a bad idea. Uh, Aaron Cockrell wrote in and said, might we see the gang heading to Australia next season? It feels like with so much Australia uh, happening throughout, you know, just as like little mentions here and there throughout season two, uh, with the fact that Kevin's father was there. Uh, AJ, do you feel like we have, how much Australia do we have to do? It feels like we have to do some, but does it have to be a full season? Does it have to be an episode? What do you think is the appropriate amount of Australian action? I I think it's episode one. I think it's episode one with his father and we watch his father's adventure. And then that kind of sets the stage for everything to follow. And then he, you know, he comes back home, uh, wherever that home may be, whether it's Miracle or Mapleton. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's your inroads to season three. You start off with, with his journey, maybe, you know, Aboriginal, maybe he sees a cave there that kind of parallels the season two start or something. I don't know exactly what, what we're going to encounter there, but I think you can spend one episode there, anything more than that. And it's, I think it's not the leftovers anymore. Um, Anthony, what do you think? How much Australia do we got to do? Yeah, I think I think I'm more with AJ that I want to go there. I want to go to there uh, with the Liz Lemon style, and I'd like to see some things. Uh, but I, I don't <laughs> necessarily want to transport the whole season there. I do want to see the Murphys. I do want to see more about John Murphy, especially. And I think that if you take the whole show and you put it in Australia, that becomes very difficult. So I think there's a way to do that. I mean, like we talked about on our kind of wrap up podcast. Kevin and Kevin should be very interested in comparing notes with Kevin Sr. at this point. And in the comparing of notes, I think you have the opportunity to have Kevin at least visit Australia if he can't track his dad down by other means. His dad appears to be, I don't know, in some sort of like hybrid aboriginal tourist state where uh, it's, it's hard to know if his dad's gone fully native, he's on a walkabout, what he's up to. But I think that Kevin tracking down Kevin Sr. is a, is a strong possibility uh, in at least one episode for season three. Uh, Bob Phelan wanted to know new theme song. I love the one for season two, but do they need to continue to change it every year? Uh, so do we do we want to get rid of Let the Mystery Be? And if so, should we workshop some some theme song suggestions? Do we got any? Uh, how about Howard Jones always asking questions? Always asking questions. <laughs> I think that there's a possible. I mean, that is an Iris Dement uh, song through and through, uh, but that's a, that's her cover, I think. Uh, or maybe I'm not sure who wrote the song. I think maybe she did write it, but I think there are probably other versions of it uh, and covers out there. The Wire used covers of uh, "Down in the Hole," uh, Tom Waits song for every season. So we could maybe do a cover of "Let the Mystery Be" in a slightly different feeling and version. 
Yeah. Rob, what do you think? New song or do you like the one we've got? I'm good with the song we have. I feel like the original season one stuff, I always felt like that was kind of wonky in terms of like what was going on there. I felt like it wasn't really the right tone, (laughs) but I feel like that with the new theme song, especially we started ditching the cold opens about halfway through uh, season two. It's sort of fun when you know you put it on and uh, a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit actually like of a happy song, uh, which is kind yeah. of a, a little counterintuitive for the show. Like the first time, it was like too, it was like too intense, and then uh, the second time, I feel like it was a little too uh, happy go lucky. But I feel like overall, it's fine. I don't think you need to so- worry about it. So maybe we need to mash up Let the Mystery Be with just like the awful, horrifying imagery of the opening credits from, from season one. And maybe that'll be the, we could strike the balance. Sure. Um, Can I also right, weigh in get... on the Australian thing uh, real quick? Yeah, of course. I feel like that, um, I don't think we should do a whole season there. And I feel like that the uh, it, taking all of the Garveys there feels like sort of like, a, you know, Brady Bunch goes to Hawaii to go and bring all of them there. But I feel like if you did had one episode that was sort of like the Meg episode, you know, and where we end up seeing, uh, you know, Kevin's dad for like one episode and sort of like his his journey of like maybe seeing the vo- the person that he's seeing and seeing like his whole like last couple of year journey to get back to where he is, where we see like a different point of view on things, just like we did with Meg, where we followed her over the past, like where we the whole season where we didn't see her. I feel like that that would be, uh, you know, somewhere fun along the way. I could see that being like the episode eight, episode nine type of thing. Um, Tamir Markowitz said on Facebook, and this I want to throw this to you, Rob. Is Nora Durst the best female character ever? I mean, ever. Uh, and Antonio and I have have talked about how much we love Nora. AJ has weighed in on how much Nora is awesome. Rob, what's your take on Nora Durst? She's very awesome. I think to call her the greatest TV character of all time, I think, is a bit of a reach. At it's this a point. lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But did, but what are your what's your take on her just overall? She, you know, I really love her. I feel like uh, season two, I found I feel like she was a little underserved. I don't think she had a lot to do. She had basically the one episode that was sort of her POV episode. But other than that, I feel like she was sort of just like. A, uh, basically uh, a secondary character this season. Yeah. Um, Antonio, we, we already touched on half of Marshall Kistner's question, which was uh, fearing for the, perpen- the potential momentum-killing love triangle story between Kevin, Laurie, and Nora. But the first part of the question was, what are some storylines you would not want to see touched on in season three? For you, what can't we go towards? Like, what, what cannot happen in season three? Which stories do we just want to either forget or just don't want to go down that path at all. I don't think we need to end up anywhere back in Mapleton. Damon Lindelof expressed some, uh, unless they want to move everyone back there, Damon Lindelof expressed some regret that they had to leave some of the actors from Mapleton behind and didn't use them in season two. Uh, Michael Gaston, the guy Dean who was shooting dogs with Kevin, uh, the, woman the, BBA. Played, the woman who plays the mayor, the Frost twins, uh, the girl who was uh, Will She Won't She with Kevin Garvey, all those actors. Um, Damon Lindelof expressed some regret in season two not being able to work them in. I hope we don't relocalize the show in Mapleton. I think a a real strength of the show in season two was getting away from that and getting not only outside that sphere, but to a town that was sort of the polar opposite where no one had been affected. And I think that that was really fascinating storytelling. And I think the way they built the narrative for this season, having that ultimate, have that, having that town now ultimately be impacted by everything from the outside world I think we got to see that play out. And I think that going back to Mapleton doesn't really add anything um, one way or the other uh, to the meta story of the leftovers. I'm sure if they did it, they'd find a way to make it work. But I'm not as interested in seeing anything really more in Mapleton at this point. Um, Rob, I remember you texting me when you got to the first episode of season two (laughs) 
saying that you were sad to be done with Mapleton, that you, you, you thought it was a little jarring to go to Jarden. How did you ultimately feel with all that? And are you done with Mapleton? Yeah, I'm done with Mapleton. There's nothing there in Mapleton. The show has to stay in Miracle the rest of the way because uh, Matt is, has the whole thing with Mary. He's not leaving. And because by proxy, then, uh, you know, Nora just put $3 million down for a house. They're not leaving. So well, these next 10 episodes, it makes no sense for the Garveys to, to leave Miracle for any. For, I mean, maybe they might leave it for an episode, but, you know, we're not uh, shifting the location of the show, I wouldn't think. But, uh, yeah, I did think that the beginning of the first uh, the second season was a bit slow. I was very invested with, you know, all of the stuff with going on with the guilty remnant that came out of uh, the back half of uh, season one. And then I felt like it was a little bit slow. I wasn't super invested in what was going on with the Murphys, uh, those first couple episodes. But I felt like things definitely uh, did pick up. And I was happy to see, you know, the the first episode of season two that I really liked was the episode with Laurie uh, talking about what was going on with the Guilty Remnant back in Mapleton. And I liked how we brought the Guilty Remnant to Miracle. So I'm very happy with uh, the direction they took. And what are some of the stories that we can't touch on in season three? What are what are some of the no-nos? You talked about how if we go back to the hotel, that's that's shark jumping if it's not through Kevin. Uh, what are some of the other big no-nos? Not the Marcasian no-nos. <laughs> Boy, um, for me, I'm not really sure what's left to cover with, uh, you know, uh, with Reverend Matt. I felt like, uh, you know, while he's so good, I felt like that his episode and his plight, I felt like, you know, he does some, so many dumb things that, uh, you know, he's just like the one character that I'm like yelling at the TV in terms of what he, what he's doing. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to see too much uh, with, uh, you know, with, with what's going on with Tommy, he's another character that he's always doing like uh, dumb stuff. Josh, I know you were upset when he was like getting all drunk and like yelling at the uh, the guilty remnant. The worst, right? The worst. Uh, and then uh, the uh, uh, the daughter uh, Jill. Uh, I feel like that you know her love her love story. I don't want to see uh, too much uh, too much going on there with that. I feel like you know we've only got ten episodes. Let's not you know mess around too much with uh with all the kids on the show aj what are your no-nos what don't you want us to to get into when we go to season three yeah i just i just don't think we need to do anything that uh, involves the, the scientists uh you know who bought nora's house or you know any any of that stuff i think if, if you're going to take the stand as the creator of the show and say we're not going to answer these questions then let's not even bring it up in the final season uh let, you know we understand people are we're looking into it i don't need to, to spend any time on that um, you know, and I, I don't really want to see Tommy go anywhere, uh, outside of the town and maybe, you know, pursue any more, uh, residual Holy Wayne guilt or anything like that. Let's, let's let that storyline die as well. Uh, let's focus on the people that the people, you know, let's focus on, on the, on the Murphys. Let's focus on the Garveys and, and let's, let's resolve their personal stories with each other, uh, and, and work on that. Anything that takes us away All from right. that is, is wrong. All right, so let's let's wrap up with with this last question. This is from Dave Backer, who said, "How about this for a series ending? People who left slash were taken during the sudden departure just as suddenly come back." And I think uh, that's that's one that's one pitch. I see AJ shaking his head. AJ, how do you think that they're going to address it if they're going to address it at all? You know what what is the, what's the final statement on the departure going to be with season three of the leftovers? I, I, I think I think. There are, to me, there's only two really possible ways you end this the show. One of it is that everybody comes back in the last five minutes, and and you know you're left with oh my gosh, what happens now? Um, I think that's the cop out. I think a more powerful ending would be that everybody disappears except for Kevin and Nor. Oh god! Wow! <laughs> and then it's a yeah. backdoor pilot for uh, the Last Man on Earth too. 
Something like that. But yeah, I, th- I think yeah. I think another departure to me is more powerful than people coming back. Um, what do you think, Rob? How do you think that the departure is going to get handled? You know, they keep saying we're never going to tell you where they went or why they went or how they went or, you know, any of those questions. Um, do you think that there's going to be some extra statement on the nature of the departure? Is there going to be a secondary departure? What's your prediction? You know, the second sudden departure is interesting. And I could also see that being a jumping off point for season three, where, that, you know, does that give the guilty remnant more power, or less power? I think that that's uh, an interesting way for the show to go. I do think that, you know, we're going to end this show on an emotional note more so than anything that we're going to get with with answers. I'd be surprised if we really had any any sort of like sort of like global sort of ending to this story as opposed to i feel like the ending to the series is going to be probably quite similar to the ending of season two where they walked away from it seeing that this could have been the ending to the show i think it's going to probably be similar tonally uh antonio give us give us your hot take uh the departure it's a it's a big deal it's the it's the jumping off point for this entire show um, where where are we going to leave with that? What's going to be the final statement on the nature of the departure, whether there's going to be a follow up or anything like that? Yeah, I don't uh, I, I still think the show is going to stick to their guns about what they've said from the jump, which is that they're not going to explain the departure. I do think that they said that initially because it wasn't explained in uh, Tom Perlotta's book. So it's possible now that they're beyond the source material that they've changed their opinion. Um, there was a headline uh, earlier this season that said Damon Lindelof says tonight's episode does that thing that they said they're never going to do. So I think Josh, you and I assumed that maybe that would be departure related. It wasn't. Uh, so I don't know if we're going to go there in season three. I hope they don't personally. Um, I like that the show has exists in this world where like our world where there are some things that we just can't explain and that don't make sense to us. And maybe they will ultimately have a scientific explanation and maybe they won't, uh, but they, they exist in the world. They happen. So I, I prefer that this show kind of revels in that, uh, than that this show give us an answer to that or have it happen again. If it happens again, um, I think it's there's there's a way to handle that that doesn't ruin it, uh, but I I don't need it to happen again to be satisfied with a, a season three of this show, and I would probably prefer that it didn't. Cool. Um, all right, so let's start wrapping up. AJ, any final leftovers thoughts or anything you're working on that you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, I'll go with the plug because I think we've covered the leftovers uh, very well, and I'm, I'm excited for season three. I, I, I hope they don't screw it up. That's and and I think that's my feeling going into it. It's like I. I I don't necessarily have the confidence that they'll knock it out of the park again because this season was so great. I hope they don't screw it up. Um, if you guys follow the show, the, the hundred, uh, Joe Garfine and I have a podcast called the Dropship, the hundred podcast, and you can find it on iTunes. We're recording a new episode on Monday and that should be up by Wednesday. So, uh, check it out. If you're a fan of the show, if you just want to find out what the show's about, uh, season three is coming up in January. Awesome. Follow AJ on Twitter at AJ Massel, tweet out the links to all of that stuff. Uh, Rob, any final leftovers things, anything that you didn't talk about leftovers wise that you wanted to get off your chest, anything that you wanted to give, uh, give this podcast a hug. (laughs) No, it's just a fun show. Uh, I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. You guys did such a great job of, uh, covering the show and it was so much fun to be able to on the binge, not have to wait for the podcast to go up just to know that they were all right there. And I could just go in and uh, listen to you guys uh, talk about all this stuff. So that was uh, very, very fun. Uh, my one last prediction is that uh, Matt and Mary's baby uh, will be born maybe in the uh, season premiere, uh, but will be the reincarnation of Holy Wayne. 
Oh no! Yes, no. and then it'll really make uh, like a, a whole battle, uh, a whole battle over religion between Matt and uh, Holy Wayne uh, as his uh, as his son. But uh, yeah, that being said, uh, very much looking forward to talking uh, with Antonio coming up here in a little bit about Nathan for you later today. Yeah, so what's what's going on there, Antonio? What's going on in Mo Show's recap today? Yeah, Mo Show's recap, the show we record every Friday, talking about a different show or a different uh, episode or a different season of television. We're talking about Nathan for You, uh, Nathan Fielder's Comedy Central show, which I've really been just recently getting into, and it's hilarious. Uh, Rob and I will be talking about that, so that'll be fun, uh, and I'm really looking forward to to kind of that that show exists in a world that is wholly unlike the world of the leftovers. Uh, you even though it is sometimes just as just as baffling uh, the reactions of people to certain things. So um, really looking forward to, to talking about that show. And I've just really enjoyed talking about the leftovers all season. Uh, thank you, Rob and AJ for the kind words about how we've really kind of covered it and, and wrapped everything up. Uh, I know Josh and I really enjoyed talking about this. Uh, I don't think we'll have much more to say on leftovers season three, unless or on leftovers in general until season three, unless something changes or unless something bubbles to the surface. But, I would definitely encourage you to guys, if you're not, to subscribe to our feeds for the leftovers and for uh, post-show recaps in general. And I think Josh can give you that information. But uh, by subscribing to the feeds, if we do happen to uh, pop one of those up, uh, it'll be right there in your feed for sure. So yeah, so postshowrecaps.com slash leftovers iTunes is the leftovers stuff. And just everything post-show recaps in general, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. We're doing a lot over here. And yeah, Antonio and I, we've had a blast talking leftovers all season long. Really fun getting AJ and Rob on here as well. And I think you're right. I think we're probably done yammering on about the leftovers for at least a little while. If that changes, we'll let you know. But it's been it's been a real great ride. Uh, so follow all these guys on Twitter. AJ's at AJ Mass. Rob is, of course, at Rob Sesternino. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro 2Zs. 1R. I'm at Round Howard. Uh, Rob's got the kill switch for ending this podcast. So we're going to we're going to suddenly depart now. And thanks, everybody who's been tuning in and has been, you know, really just been gracious with their comments and interacting with us about the leftovers. I'm very, very psyched that we've got a season three. So we'll, it'll be a little while before we're back, but we'll be back. And that's, that's the best part. So take care, everybody, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye. Everybody is wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody is worrying about where they're going to go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, and so it's all the same to me. Think out, yes, let the mystery be. Some say once you're gone, you're gone forever, and some say you're gonna come back. Some say you rest in the arms of the Savior, you've been sinful ways you lack. Baby.